0: Steel to Zero – How Steel Will Go Green The Sustainability Podcast by WeltHolz.
1: My name is Ute Neuhaus and I'm the host of our German podcast series. In order to make it accessible to an international audience as well, we've had the conversations professionally dubbed by native English speakers. Stahl soll bis 2050 grün werden. Um, in order to rein-
0: meet the EU's emissions targets, steel must become green by 2050. Steel is ubiquitous in our everyday lives and also plays an important role in the energy revolution. It's found in the eco-friendly electric car we drive to work, and it's also found in the energy-efficient washing machine we use to wash our socks. The electricity for both will then, hopefully, come from wind turbines that require steel to build. So, steel makes green things, but steel itself isn't green. It's a major source of carbon emissions. So just how can steel become green itself? What needs to be done to meet the EU's emissions targets? These are the questions we will be addressing in our sustainability podcast, Steel to Zero. My name is Ute Neuhaus and I've worked in the steel processing industry myself for many years.
1: To
0: kick off the series, I'm speaking with two experts who have a close eye on steel's entire journey, from the blast furnace to the end user. In the studio with me today are Dr. Heino Budenberg and Dr. Matthias Girse, both the general managers of CD, Walzos GmbH and Co. KG, headquartered in Hagen, Germany. But before we get to talking about green steel, Dr. Budenberg, can you briefly explain what a cold rolling mill is exactly?
2: Uh, I'd be
3: happy to. Cold rolling refers to the further processing of hot rolled steel strip that we purchase from steel producers. Velsolz rolls, heat treats and finishes this steel to name just a few core processes and in doing so we give our cold rolled materials a wide variety of properties that are precisely tailored to the requirements of the final products.
1: Mm, is then Welzholz so etwas wie ein Mittler?
0: So is, is Welzholz something of an intermediary between steel manufacturers and customers?
2: Yeah, so kann man das beschreiben. Yes,
3: that's one way to describe it. We translate the properties that a final product needs to have into demands that the required steel needs to meet. This leads to specifications for the steel mill, and we then process the hot strip for our customers into customized materials that possess specific properties.
1: And these are
0: materials that can also make the customer's product green, or at least greener? Dr. Gierse, in my introduction I mentioned, maybe somewhat simplistically, that an electric car and a washing machine are examples of sustainable products made with steel. Is the steel industry contributing to the energy revolution? Or is it merely a major source of carbon emissions that is so much in the public eye as at the moment?
3: I think
4: you have to paint a more nuanced
3: picture. A significant amount of carbon emissions are generated during the production of steel. Nevertheless, steel plays a vital role in the energy revolution. It is simply the most important industrial material in the world, and I'm firmly convinced that it will play an even more important role in the future. I would even go so far as to say that the energy revolution would be impossible to achieve without
1: steel. In other words,
0: when it comes to combating climate change, steel is both a problem and a problem solver. How does that make
3: sense? It depends on your perspective. There is no doubt that the production of steel generates a large amount of carbon emissions. And reducing these emissions is definitely a daunting task. But even today, this fascinating material with its truly outstanding properties is helping us reduce carbon emissions, both technologically and in many important forward-looking sectors that are crucial to the energy revolution. But also as a material for products that are better, lighter, more durable and more economical thanks to high-tech steel, which is good for the overall carbon footprint.
1: You're going to have to give us a few
4: examples.
3: For example, the world will be transitioning its transportation systems to electrical power. This process is already in full swing here. And these battery electric and hybrid systems require thin electrical steel strip. These thin electrical steel strips are used in efficient electric motors to power vehicles using electricity. That is one example. Another example is the generation of renewable energy via wind and hydroelectric power plants. These wind and hydroelectric power plants require generators to produce electricity. And these generators are also made of high-performance electrical steel strip. Last but not least, you can certainly also mention fuel cells. Fuel cells use hydrogen to generate electricity. But you can't manufacture fuel cells without ultra-thin rolled stainless steel strip, which is used to make the bipolar plates that are found in these
1: fuel cells. I can tell that you possess a great deal of
0: expertise, and you certainly need to be enthusiastic about in order to implement all of this. But let's take a step back for a moment. The steel industry is a source of carbon emissions, but at the same time, it's playing a major role in the energy revolution and combating climate change. Isn't that contradictory? How can these two conflicting aspects be reconciled? Dr. Budenberg.
2: What
3: this shows is that we have to work on two aspects, along two different paths, in order to pursue our strategy. On the one hand we'll continue to work intensively on materials development in order to manufacture the products that are necessary for and beneficial to the energy revolution. And on the other hand the entire steel industry must focus very closely on process development in order to make its processes carbon neutral. We are all bound by the Paris agreement with its goal of zero emissions by 2050 and we are committed to achieving this.
1: That's an ambitious goal.
0: Is it even achievable? After all, the steel sector accounts for 30% of industrial
3: emissions in Germany.
2: The steel industry is undoubtedly
3: facing an enormous challenge. But it is rising to it. All European steel producers have now committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2045. The technologies exist, however, the investments required will be quite substantial.
1: Und die Kaltwalzer? Was tut Welzholz? And the
0: manufacturers of cold rolled steel. What is Welzholz doing in this context?
2: Wir müssen unsere CO2-Emissionen sukzessive reduzieren. We
3: have to gradually reduce our carbon emissions and we are going to do so. Across all levels of our value chain. We will procure green power and either use decarbonized fuels or generate the necessary process heat using renewable electricity
4: as well.
1: Da möchte ich noch mal einhaken.
0: That's another point I'd like to touch on. Why is it so important to look at the value chain?
4: Well,
3: the products that we purchase and then process further already have a history. And this history is also expressed in the form of a carbon footprint. The steel products we use are produced from ores, from coal, from coke, using natural gas, using electricity and the use of these energy sources and these raw materials generates carbon emissions. The same applies to our processes. Our processes also generate carbon emissions, essentially through the use of electricity and natural gas, which can then also ultimately be attributed to the product. And in this respect, we have to look at the entire supply chain in order to calculate a product carbon footprint that, in the end, also needs to be transparently disclosed in the final product that we deliver to our customers.
1: Das hört sich jetzt sehr an. This all sounds pretty complicated. So
0: how do you sort out what's from where and what's what?
2: Yeah, ja, wenn ich das ergänzen darf.
3: If I may add to what Matthias Gierse said, when calculating carbon emissions, three different types of emission, known as scopes are used. Emissions from a company's own primary energy use, such as natural gas or heating oil, are referred to as Scope 1. Second are the emissions from the use of converted primary energy sources, primarily electricity, known as Scope 2. And then you have Scope 3, which are emissions attributed to products that a company has purchased. At Welsholz, these primarily include hard-rolled strip, inert gases and other services.
1: So a customer orders five
0: tons of cold-rolled steel strip, and then you can say, this five tons of steel strip in grade XY and size Z have such and such a carbon footprint?
2: Ja, yeah, genau. Exactly. This is also necessary
3: because of our customers in turn have to implement this information at their scope 3. And across the value chain, this adds up to a carbon footprint all the way through the final consumer's product.
1: Well, I've certainly learned a lot about how
0: to determine the carbon footprint, and I've also learned that it's by no means a trivial task.
2: Ja, die Schwierigkeit liegt darin, diese drei scopes Indeed, trinkt. the difficulty
3: lies in rigorously ja. documenting these three scopes and combining them across a complex factory structure. We've made it our mission to track this precisely and clearly, because this is the only way we can make the carbon footprint of our steel products transparent from production to the coil delivered to our customers from further
1: use as Scope three. Also nicht ganz so einfach. Not quite so simple.
0: I think I've learned a lot about calculating the carbon footprint and that it's not a trivial matter. But what is Velsholz doing to actually reduce a carbon footprint, specifically at its own production
3: facilities?
4: We've drawn up a roadmap for
3: this, a roadmap for reducing our carbon emissions. Over the long term, this roadmap also leads to the company Welshaus as a whole and to its own production facilities becoming carbon neutral.
1: Bausteine ihres
4: And
0: what steps does this roadmap contain? How exactly are you aligning
4: worlds holes with sustainability? Ja, für die Fertigung, uh, wir eben den In
3: terms of our own production processes, we have to consider Scope 1 and Scope 2, as Heino Budenberg previously described. When it comes to Scope 2, which essentially relates to our electricity consumption, we already cover 15% of our annual requirements with electricity generated from renewable sources. And by the end of 2022, we'll meet 40% of our electricity requirements with power from renewable Sources. We are going to continue increasing this percentage over the next few years, leading to carbon neutrality with respect to our electricity used by 2030 at the latest. Now, when it comes to the use of natural gas, the situation is a bit more complicated. We could use hydrogen instead of natural gas. The burner technology required for this is already being tested in-house and the burners could easily be converted to use hydrogen. But currently hydrogen is simply not available in the significant quantities we require. In this respect, we are forced to continue using natural gas for the next few years. It might be worth adding that in the case of electricity in particular, we aren't becoming sustainable through offsetting measures such as planting trees in South America, but exclusively through qualified certificates of origin from renewable sources. Needless to say, our commitment to sustainability is also reflected in many small steps and individual innovations. Solar panels on the roofs of factory buildings are certainly a clearly visible example of this. Also LED lighting and the production halls, which consumes significantly less electricity than old light fixtures. The ultimate goal is to firmly entrench the idea of sustainability in our corporate culture through a wide range of measures, both large and small.
4: It's
3: important to note that 90% of our carbon footprint is attributable to the use of raw materials. We can really only influence 10% through our own actions. And in this respect, it is essential that steel production gradually becomes carbon neutral, because at the end of the day, this is the only way we can make our company's footprint carbon neutral. It simply isn't possible otherwise.
0: so, if I'm understanding you correctly, there are a few things you can do in your own production facilities, and you're already doing them. But there are also requirements that lie outside the influence of weld or the cold-rolling industry that have to be met for the strategy to work at all. What are these requirements?
4: Indeed, the first
3: thing we need to talk about in this context is a massive investment in the energy infrastructure. We simply need gigantic amounts of green power and ultimately this renewable electricity will then be used to produce renewable hydrogen. And hydrogen is precisely the source of energy that is considered the key to green steel production. Now, Germany does have
0: a national hydrogen strategy and this is also tied to several billion euros in funding. Is this enough?
4: Green
3: steel production requires coal and coke to be replaced by green hydrogen. And this will necessitate technical modifications that require substantial massive investments, including in the steel industry. We are increasingly faced with the problem that green hydrogen is currently not available at all on the required industrial scale. And the plant infrastructure for producing this hydrogen hasn't even been built yet. Not to mention the quantities of renewable electricity required, which are also not currently available. So, at the present time, we have to say that green hydrogen is simply not available for purchase at commercially viable prices. If it
1: were available for purchase,
0: how would it get where it needs to go? Would trucks then come and drop off hydrogen at Wells Halls and everything would be okay?
4: No, that certainly wouldn't work either. Currently,
3: our supply of natural gas is delivered to us via pipeline systems, of course. Now, you have to know that Velsol's natural gas requirements at German sites alone stand at around 3600 megawatt hours per day. If we wanted to meet this demand with tank trucks, then around 200 hydrogen trucks would have to make their way to Velsol sites every day to drop off their cargo. In other words, over the course of a 24 hour day, one truck delivering hydrogen every 20 minutes. Now that's completely out of the question. It would be impossible to manage that logistically at all, let alone organize a fleet of trucks on that scale. That's why we need a very clear vision from policymakers. We not only need to produce the hydrogen, but also to transport it via appropriate pipeline systems with connections to the industrial facilities. None of this will be possible without pipelines.
2: Sind in Hagen in ich sage jetzt mal etwas we
3: are located in Hagen in Westphalia, which is a bit off the beaten track from the major chemical sites. And we don't have the infrastructure in the form of pipelines that hydrogen could flow through. This is definitely an issue that policymakers need to address in order to ensure that the infrastructure is developed in key industrial regions. And Hagen is a key industrial region. But when talking about a pipeline system, I'd like to take a step back and look at a somewhat broader picture. Because a national hydrogen strategy won't be sufficient to meet Germany's extremely large energy needs. Even today, we still import most of our energy resources and they do not come from Germany. This will also be the case with hydrogen. It won't be enough to build wind turbines in the German state of Mecklenburg-Vorpommern to satisfy Germany's hunger for energy. We have to take a European view of this, both in terms of hydrogen, production and transport, and North Africa will also have to be very heavily involved in this policy.
1: So So there's a
0: lot of work to be done, both nationally and internationally. We're talking about billions of euros in investments, in new technologies, in the procurement of green hydrogen, in networks. This, of course, makes one thing abundantly clear. Steel's carbon neutrality is going to cost quite a bit of money. But who's going to pay for all this? Us, as taxpayers?
2: At the end
3: of the day, the citizens, the consumers pay for everything, whether through taxes and social security contributions or through the prices of the goods and services they purchase and no matter whether directly, indirectly or diverted through EU coffers. At the end of the day, it's the citizens, the German citizens, the European citizens, the global citizens who will have to pay.
1: Hmm. Und woher weiß ich dann?
0: And how do I, as a consumer, know what the right amount is, that I shouldn't just accept whatever price increases come along under the guise of combating climate change?
2: That's
3: exactly the point. We can't just assume that costs incurred at one point will simply be passed along. Instead, we need to create a market for reducing carbon, reducing emissions, and then establish this carbon market across all
4: stages of the value chain.
1: And how could this work? And
0: what is Weltholz's approach to this
4: issue? All
3: participants, every part of these supply chain and value networks, will have to spend time accounting for their carbon emissions. In addition to documenting how much carbon is emitted, we also need to assess how much we can avoid emitting. After all, avoiding carbon emissions costs money. And as Heino Budenberg just said, that will have to be translated into a market price mechanism that ultimately assesses how much avoiding a ton of carbon in the manufacture of certain products is worth.
1: And what about Weltholz
0: With respect to the value creation stage and value chains, what exactly is Weltholz doing?
2: we sind already schon very far. We are already very far along in this
3: respect. As previously mentioned, we can now accurately measure, allocate and assess the scope 1, 2 and 3 emissions and through our hot strip and energy purchasing performance, we can agglomerate the mitigation costs in our system and then pass them on to the customers. And it is precisely this transparency, creating this transparency and actually avoiding carbon emissions, that is a service that we believe will be a key aspect in our business policy in the
1: future. If I can put it on a
0: nutshell, I understand that Weltholz also wants to play its part as an intermediary in this process, meaning as a link between the steel producer and Weltholz's customers. Is that
2: true? Natürlich. Uh Of course, our mission
3: is to be the market and technology leader in our segment of the cold-rolling industry, and we will play an active role in shaping the transformation of the steel industry towards climate neutrality. We will also use our market position and the economic importance of our industry to communicate and strengthen awareness of our needs. This is also necessary so that the decision makers in politics, public, administration, government agencies, wherever energy networks understand the impact of their climate policy decisions on our industry, and so that we can ultimately work together to ensure that the German steel industry is not only competitive, but that we even have a national industrial structure in the first place, namely the
1: value network. Da I'd like to touch
0: on that once again. Within the steel industry's entire transformation process, if you look at all the different aspects, what role does WellSouls play? What responsibility do you feel as a company with a long tradition in this industry and in this value network?
2: Well,
3: sustainability, the word alone says that you plan to operate for a sustained period of time. That is to say, we are now over 190 years old and we'd like to be around in another 190 years. That's what sustainability is all about. We mentioned the Paris Agreement earlier. The target is set for 2050 and we will do everything we can to make salts and its products carbon neutral by implementing the necessary changes and thereby fulfilling the company's responsibility. After all, it is also our duty as a company to ensure that we will still have a competitive steel industry tomorrow and that a functioning value network will also be in place to provide jobs
1: for our children. And
0: does Welzholz have a voice in this? What is it? What role can you play? What position can you take on? I'm
3: also thinking a bit in terms of politics.
2: Jeder Mensch hat eine Stimme, jedes Unternehmen hat eine Stimme. Every
3: individual has a voice, every company has a voice. You just have to speak loud enough for others to hear.
4: Ja, und wir bemühen uns in der Tat uh, stark in den Indeed,
3: and as a matter of fact, we put a great deal of effort into lobbying in the relevant bodies which we have to do in order to move policy in the right direction. And you know, this is definitely an active process. It isn't just waiting for things to happen.
1: Also, steel to zero. Well, steel
0: to zero, the goal is truly ambitious. We learned that companies throughout the steel value network are facing major challenges, but are preparing themselves for the changes and are already working hard on the transformation. We also learned that steel is actually a powerful material that makes combating climate change possible in the first place. And one thing I took away from this conversation is that steel will only be carbon neutral by 2050 if the right policies are put in place. And if so, it won't just make other products green, it will also be green itself. Dr. Budenberg, Dr. Gierse, I'd like to thank you very much for your time, for being my guests today, for allowing us to be here with you on site and for making this extremely complex topic a little bit easier for us to understand.
2: Danke, Frau Happy rolling. Herzlichen Dank.
3: Thank you, Mrs. Neuhaus. Happy rolling. Many thanks to you and Glück auf, as they say in the German steel industry.
0: Best of luck to you too, dear listeners. And thank you for listening. Glad you could join us. There will be another episode of the Steel to Zero podcast series. And in it, we take a look at how to manufacture green steel in the first place. We'll be speaking with one of Germany's most important steelmakers, So please stay tuned and also subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Stay in the know with Steel to Zero, the sustainability podcast by Weltsholz. Listen now with just one click at welthals.com slash steel to zero. And remember, Welthals with A-E.